rescues on the rise. The surprising solution that freed a trapped climber. She was definitely very, very stuck. And why every call out is complicated now. Taking the tourism leap, Whistler ready for a soft reopening, but is it too soon for outsiders? We could see what other companies are doing. We can take the... <laughs> and neighborhood under siege. I've lived here for 30 years and things are really getting intense. Explosions at all hours, putting residents on edge. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A major rescue operation on the Stawamas Chief today. One of a number of call-outs keeping crews busy in recent days. Sarah McDonald is live in Squamish for us tonight with more on what happened. And Sarah, it's been a little over a week since the province officially eased stay-at-home restrictions. Squamish Search and Rescue says they've been seeing a major uptick ever since. Sophie, a major uptick is right in just the past 24 hours. Search and rescue crews in the Sea to Sky region have been called out to four technical rescues and they're concerned now that as COVID restrictions ease, some outdoor enthusiasts are becoming too lax when it comes to safety. It's enough to make your stomach turn if you're not comfortable with living on the edge. How about being stuck on it? Like this climber on the Stuamish Chief in Squamish on Friday. There's always a risk of getting things stuck, and she was definitely very, very stuck. Yeah, I see the bed. And take a look at how technical this rescue was. Complicating matters, the climber's leg was wedged in a crack on the rock face for hours. Finally freed with the assistance of rescuers and a common household lubricant. With some uh, dish soap and a lot of uh, work, we were able to free her leg uh, continue lowering her down so we could extricate her uh, by helicopter. And we're 100 above trees. Squamish Search and Rescue says this climber was experienced and prepared, but not all outdoor enthusiasts are. And it seems a lot of them are looking to get outside as pandemic-related restrictions ease. We've seen a huge, huge increase, in Squamish at least, and as far as I know province-wide. Um, so yes, in the last 24 hours, this is our fourth call in 24 hours. That's on par with what would be an exceptionally busy day at the height of summer. And as is the case with most things in the time of COVID, these already risky call-outs have become a lot more complicated. The Squam Star members will be uh, using uh, masks and gowns and uh, face shields and whatever it is that we deem necessary to keep our members safe. So all of those things take time. That's why the crews volunteering their time are asking anyone venturing outdoors to help mitigate the risks to rescuers by using common sense and being prepared to get yourself out of trouble if you can. It is an unusual thing. I, I don't think it's completely unheard of, but certainly to be as stuck as she was is certainly, uh, you know, this is the first time in a long time Squamish Star has been involved in something like that. Something this climber physically could not do. Stuck for some five hours, hundreds of meters above ground. Eventually hospitalized with an injured leg, though fortunate the outcome wasn't worse. She was very fortunate, and we now know she's actually been released from hospital already. Sophie, she ultimately only suffered minor injuries. All right, Sarah, you've been hearing from first responders today that a lot of these outdoor enthusiasts who've been in that area aren't actually believed to be locals from that area. 
Yeah, crews at the site of today's rescue told us they've been seeing an influx in visitors and tourists to the Sea to Sky region, and they are once again repeating calls from health officials to restrict non-essential travel. And Sophie, as you might imagine, that includes coming to places like Squamish, even within the province, with limited health care resources. I can imagine. All right. Thanks for that. Sarah McDonald reporting tonight. Cautious optimism today as new COVID-19 numbers for the province are released. We have just four new cases today for a total now of 2,562 in B.C. No deaths to report today, which is very good news. 34 people are in hospital, six of them in ICU. 2,170 people have fully recovered, which means we now have 228 active cases in B.C. That is down 13. The numbers are significant because we are now in the middle of the first incubation period since restrictions were lifted and transmission numbers are still low, at least so far. Now, those incubation numbers are key for health officials facing increasing questions around when British Columbians will be safe to start traveling within the province. Whistler has already started seeing an uptick in business, with many attractions reopening under Phase 2 rules. But as John Hua reports, they're still lacking clarity on whether outside visitors should be welcome. Right, we got left foot through the other one. It's the same first step for every business. What's your name? Andrew. Andrew? So all the COVID-19 precautions have been taken and hope customers are willing to take the plunge. Five, four, three, two, one. Trusting their safety won't be compromised during this pandemic. It was really nice, honestly, having the clear face shield, to be honest. Just seeing a face, seeing people smiling was really helpful. Three, two, one. Whistler Bungie is officially open, and it hasn't taken long for business to begin to bounce back. There's been a lot of hard work and preparation, and uh, just excited to hear the screams of people jumping off our bridge. In Whistler Village, the message is clear. Many businesses are ready for a restart. Among them, the Four Seasons Resort, which never technically closed, but is now reopening its pool and restaurant for a small resurgence in guests. It's a sign of, of hope, and as we see uh, businesses opening up and to see actually uh, people exploring locally. There is one problem. Those heading up the Sea to Sky are still being advised to avoid non-essential travel. Things are opening up. We may start to see cases increase. If we can do that in a slow and measured way, then by the middle of June, we should absolutely be um, able to move out a little bit more. While Whistler isn't encouraging people from outside communities to come, the reality, it's been happening for weeks. We're really trying to navigate this well and ensure that we're doing so safely. For businesses like Whistler Photo Safaris, increased safety measures is the priority, not spotting out-of-town guests. So we just looked at what was happening, decided to pivot, find all the PPE products. At the Whistler Bungie Bridge, it's a mix of locals and lower mainland residents that dropped in for the first day of bookings. We can't control exactly who's coming up here, but we can prepare ourselves to our best ability to make sure that it's safe and comfortable for, uh, for everyone that's coming, no matter where they're from. Just like the forces of gravity, even a partially reopened Whistler is enough to pull in outside visitors during this pandemic. John Hua, Global News, Whistler. Well, what many had suspected was coming has now been made official by the federal government. Cruise ships will not be making any scheduled stops in B.C. for the 2020 season. As Richard Zussman reports, while the public health argument is clear, 
The loss of some 300 cruise ship visits is going to be a billion-dollar blow to the B.C. economy. You want orange, red, purple. When life gives you lemons, Andrew Capot is using it to sell popsicles. Necessity is the mother of invention, and so that's kind of how this thing behind me came to be. This is a pedicab converted into a mobile popsicle stand. The owner of the Victoria Pedicab Company is doing everything he can to keep his business going. Normally, Capot's business relies heavily on moving cruise ship passengers around Victoria. Some of us are bleeding money every month because we have expenses still. Um, and some of the co- my colleagues I've talked to, they're, they're hanging on for dear life. The federal government announcing on Friday cruise ships will not be permitted in Canadian waters until at the earliest October 31st. This decision extends the one we made in March, which was taken to protect our coastal communities. These big vessels are big business for Victoria and Vancouver. Cruises supporting 800 direct and indirect jobs in the provincial capital and contributing more than $130 million to the regional economy. The economic impact uh, to Greater Victoria is significant, uh, but at the same time, uh, we have always said that the health and safety of the residents of Victoria come first. In Vancouver, the impact even bigger. 310 ships were expected to arrive this year, now all cancelled. 1.2 million visitors won't be arriving, about 10% of all the visitors Vancouver welcomes on a normal year. These visitors were expected to spend more than a billion dollars in the local economy, the announcement forcing the tourism sector to try and take a glass-half-full approach. We do anticipate full recovery and hope that we'll see a very healthy cruise season in 21. British Columbians are being pushed towards staycations. But a whole year without cruise ship visitors is a gap far bigger than what can be filled by a cooler and some popsicles. There you are. Thank you very much. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now. And Keith, uh, sticking with this travel theme, it was back on March 17th that anyone returning to or arriving in B.C. was directed to Mm self-isolate. Now, this was supposed to be monitored by the province. Uh, now, two and a half months later or so, do we know how many people this has impacted? Yeah, the numbers keep growing. I think a lot of people will be surprised by this. When we're talking international travel here, if you come from Alberta to BC, you don't have to self-isolate. But if you're coming internationally from another country, notably the US, you do have to come up with a plan to self-isolate for 14 days. Here are the numbers as of yesterday, and they're quite impressed in terms of how many people we're talking about. More than 26,000 people, 46,000 people in all, 26,000 arrived by the land border. Those are Canadians returning home. More than 28,000 arrived via air at YV. 134 people are in quarantine because they can't find a place to stay. They've been placed in hotels around YVR. 91 of the people listed here have COVID-19 symptoms. And officials are doing their job in terms of making sure people self-isolate because 33, more than 33,000 people have had follow-up phone calls. Now, that number is going to continue to grow in the days ahead. Just looking ahead to tomorrow at YVR, I went to their arrival listing. We've got eight international flights coming in, three from Tokyo, two from Seattle, one from San Francisco, uh, one from uh, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth as well. So the number of international travels will swell tomorrow. All of them are going to have to isolate, self-isolate for 14 days. So the number is going to be pretty impressive over time. 91 out of 134 with symptoms. That's pretty, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's pretty um, incredible. Thank you, Keith.
Breaking news now, the iconic Chinatown lions have once again been defaced with racist graffiti. Late this afternoon, the city of Vancouver posted these images of racial slurs scrawled on the lions at the foot of the Millennium Gate in Chinatown. Work has already begun to remove the graffiti, and the city says it is exploring ways to coat the lions to prevent this from happening again. Back on May 20th, vandals had defaced the two lions. Uh, police are still investigating that case, as well as an uptick in racially motivated attacks and slurs. Richmond RCMP want to speak with any witnesses to a racially motivated assault. It happened the afternoon of Sunday, May 17th on Steveston Highway and Number 5 Road. An Asian driver told officers he had parked his vehicle when the male driver of a blue BMW pulled up beside him and allegedly started yelling racial slurs at him. The victim tried to get away from the suspect, eventually trying to seek refuge inside a local business. But the suspect followed and allegedly assaulted him. The suspect then left the scene. RCMP tracked him down, though, after looking through video surveillance and arrested someone days later. However, according to the complainant, there were other people in the area who witnessed the incident. An incident like this affects everyone in our community. And while we have gathered significant evidence, we still want to hear from anyone who saw or knows anything about this incident. Any information is important to us. The suspect is described as Caucasian, 5 feet 8 inches tall, with a fairly athletic build, very short hair that was graying on the side, and he spoke with an accent. He was wearing a blue dress shirt, gray vest, and black dress slacks. If you have any information, you are asked to call Richmond RCMP or Crime Stoppers. B.C. farmers are facing a severe shortage of workers during this pandemic. The agricultural sector now says it is seeing a six to 8,000 worker shortfall. As Brad McLeod reports, the industry suggests the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, meant to help laid-off workers, may be partially to blame. Yeah, well, there's uh, squash on the hill here. Terry Mitchell looks out on his family farm and sees a lot of work to catch up on. He doesn't have enough help. It's highly skilled farm labour. We have six uh, of our foreign workers out of the 20. 11 more employees landed Friday, but it'll be two weeks before they can leave their provincially paid for isolation in Vancouver hotels. We're still probably a month, month and a half behind on our regular amount of workers that come into B.C. $15 billion. That's the record revenues brought in from farms, ranches, seafood, and food processing companies in BC in 2018. With the six to 8,000 job shortage, the government has created a new website that hopes to help farmers get back on track. It's called BC Ag Jobs, and it basically lays out all the jobs that are available in British Columbia in the food, fish, and agriculture sector. There were 600 jobs on the site at launch, and employers can post on it. We're really trying to appeal to our, our own British Columbian workers. But with hundreds of thousands of jobs lost in the province due to COVID, why are these jobs not getting filled? One cherry grower says the financial support from the government, like the $500 a week CERB, may not be helping. There needs to be an incentive for people to get out there. And right now the incentive is for people not to go work. Baal suggests perhaps it's time for a hybrid approach where people can keep their CERB and any wage on top of it. Terry Mitchell says he's made some cuts to the choice of crops this year. Not doing things like kale, which require extra bundling and experienced hands. And it's 
experience, that's another labor challenge. Because when some local workers do apply, the training is costly and many can't endure the physical challenge. But some of the locals now are starting to find their jobs are coming back online, so some of them are leaving us. Mitchell is counting down the two weeks until 11 more Mexican workers can pitch in. He says he's busier than ever, but behind. Brad McLeod, Global News, Central Saanich. Well, there have been a lot of sleepless nights for people living in parts of downtown Vancouver lately, and this is why. Bear bangers keeping residents up at all hours. How it seems to be getting worse and what police and the city are doing about it in just over a minute. A night of chaos in Minneapolis following the death of a black man pinned down by a white police officer. Will charges against that officer keep things calm tonight? Also ahead tonight, the explosion capping off a bad week for SpaceX. Those stories still to come. Speaking of explosions, we have the first video tonight of something that's been costing many Vancouverites a good night's sleep. Jordan Armstrong tries to get to the bottom of that loud banging that's become an unwelcome fact of life in the downtown core. This is not video from a war zone. It's from Crosstown in downtown Vancouver. Now it's almost like every hour or a couple in an hour on certain days. Indeed, 35 minutes later, this camera catches a second round of blasts overnight Thursday. The booms are startling residents in several downtown neighborhoods and Strathcona. Super scary and loud and keeps people up at night wondering, oh, is it a gunshot or is it bear bangers? Bear bangers are what you're seeing in this video. They're noisy flares used yeah. in the wilderness to so scare off bears. And release. But bear bangers have killed people and caused people to lose digits and limbs, so it's not just a loud noise. So why have so many ended up on the streets, terrorizing both people and pets? Councillor Pete Fry, who lives in Strathcona, would like to find out. He says he's brought the problem to the city manager's attention. We're actually hearing an increased amount of, of beyond just bear bangers. It sounds like they're tying them together or making sort of improvised explosive devices, essentially, and, and, and lighting them off. They're getting louder and scarier. A Global News crew happened upon the aftermath of a blast Monday in the West End. So what happened with this? Somebody just threw it at me. Vancouver police say bear banger calls have gone from three in March to 88 so far in May. Our patrol officers are aware and they are routinely patrolling the area, but if we can get uh, more reports, we're able to narrow down a time, um, it, it would help our officers. As for why the problem has exploded, police say there are rumors, but so far, no solid answers. But we don't have bears in the city, so they shouldn't be used in the city. A city with enough headaches, and now one more. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Up next, a missing hospital patient is finally found. The tragic discovery and how health officials are responding tonight. And later, beyond the grapes, what archaeologists have unearthed at an Italian vineyard. Final clearing stages of an earlier crash here on the Vancouver Burnaby border, eastbound on Highway 1, just before the Grandview Highway overpass in the left lane. 
For 47 years, Kermat Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway One in Vancouver. The family of a missing new Westminster man has been given the worst possible news. Gavin Deloise, who walked out of Royal Columbian Hospital in his gown and slippers on Sunday, was found dead last night. Now, as Catherine Urquhart reports, his family wants answers. And Fraser Health is promising a full investigation into what went wrong. Brain-injured hospital patient Gavin Deloise was missing for four days. Then, Thursday night, his body was found in a wooded area off Caribou Road in Burnaby. Now, the troubling death is under investigation. A brain-injured person should never be able to walk out of a hospital without it catching the eye of someone in the institution to be able to prevent that. The Burnaby resident was hospitalized one week ago following a car crash. On Sunday, the confused 41-year-old walked out of Royal Columbian Hospital. No one stopped him, and no one notified his family. He walked out of a hospital, them knowing the condition he was in and what had happened to him, and let him walk out. And they didn't even bother to call anybody. Not my parents, not me. They didn't let anybody know. He's in a hospital because he needs to be taken care of and cared for. And they failed him and they failed my family. Family should be right at the forefront of assisting the medical care workers on the front line, as well as being able to make decisions for people with catastrophic brain injuries. Fraser Health has repeatedly refused to answer questions about Gavin Deloise, citing patient confidentiality. Now they say they'll be investigating. Royal Columbian Hospital re uh, will review internal processes to ensure that we're adhering to all the usual guidelines. Uh, in uh, this type of uh, situation, we follow usual processes for patient safety reviews that involves um, interacting with all of the care teams that have been involved, some of the concerns that have been raised, ensuring that we're adhering to protocols, policies, whether there are protocols, policies in place that need to be reviewed. Gavin Deloise would have turned 42 next week. His devastated family says they'll be releasing a statement. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. BC's police watchdog is recommending charges against five Prince George RCMP officers in connection with an incident nearly three years ago. Back in July of 2017, the officers responded to reports of a man casing parked cars. He fled on a bicycle, but officers caught up and tried to arrest him. During the struggle, he was pepper sprayed and then had trouble breathing. He died shortly afterward. The Independent Investigations Office is asking prosecutors to consider charges related to the use of force against two of the officers and obstruction of justice against the other three. The IIO had previously recommended obstruction charges in relation to allegations that officers deleted civilian cell phone footage of the incident. Up next, outrage boils over in Minneapolis. This is like real a war zone in front of our eyes right now. The call for calm as a police officer is charged in the death of a black man. And later, a popular B.C. fishing spot at the center of controversy. What's happening under the Vetter River that has environmentalists riled up? 
At BC Children's Hospital, the heroes don't wear capes. They sit beside us, walk with us, and never stop searching for answers. Help the heroes. Join us for Miracle Weekend, May 30th on Global BC. Crews are on scene to a two-car crash here in Burnaby, westbound on Canada Way at Smith in the right lane. Just the left lane is able to get by. It's just a couple of blocks before boundary. Bank securely from anywhere, anytime with CIBC, whether it's paying bills, depositing checks, or transferring money in Canada and around the world. With CIBC, you can do it all 24-7. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Burnaby. A remarkable sight in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as thousands of people march across a bridge and down a freeway to protest the death of George Floyd during an arrest. Tonight's protest so far, mostly peaceful. Minneapolis residents praying that tonight will not be a repeat of the past three nights, now that one of the officers involved has been charged. Four days after witness video shows his knee across the neck of George Floyd. Just minutes before Floyd's death, Minnesota police officer Derek Chavan is now in custody. He has been charged with third-degree murder. We are in the process of continuing to review the evidence. There may be subsequent charges later. The arrest comes with pockets of the city still smoldering, locked down by police and the National Guard, Minneapolis on edge. Generations of pain is manifesting itself in front of the world and the world is watching. This is what the world is seeing. An evacuated police precinct burning to the ground. Other buildings swallowed by flames or overrun by looters. This is like real a war zone in front of our eyes right now. Three straight nights of protests. Frustration spilling over and into the streets after Floyd's death. They lynched him in front of everybody and we all seen it. Minnesota's governor promising justice with indications from the prosecutor other officers involved could face charges. It is my expectation that justice for the officers involved in this will be swift, that it will come in a timely manner. But many of those gathering each night say it's already taken too long. If there would have been charges and somebody arrested right away, then this would have happened. Now, many here worry. You can't tell by the tone of my voice, the tears of my face. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm just saying, that's, that's how concerned I am. About what could come next. Jay Gray, NBC News. Meantime, the governor of Minnesota has apologized to CNN for the arrest of its news crew during a live broadcast. I'm sorry? You're under arrest. Okay. Do you mind whoa, whoa, telling whoa, whoa, me whoa. why I'm under arrest, sir? Why, why am I under arrest, sir? Omar Jimenez and his crew were taken into custody despite telling the officers multiple times that they were media and offering politely to move to wherever police wanted them to. They were released without charges. Jimenez says the officers treated them cordially and he was actually relieved the arrest happened on live TV. Just two days after the launch of its manned space flight was scrubbed due to weather, SpaceX has lost another rocket in a catastrophic explosion. Thankfully, it was a test of an unmanned rocket. But that doesn't seem to be oxygen, right? Yeah. SpaceX was testing a prototype of its heavy lift rocket Starship in Texas when a large leak appeared. Seconds later, the rocket was engulfed in a huge fireball. If it was methane, it'd be igniting in the flare, correct? I don't want that to be... Oh, whoa! Whoa! Rest in peace, SN4. 
The rocket is designed to carry humans and 100 tons of cargo to the moon and Mars. It's the company's planned next-generation fully reusable launch vehicle. British Columbians can now have air quality alerts delivered directly to their mobile phones. The air quality subscription alert service is expanding beyond emails to send real-time updates by text. The alerts will notify subscribers about air quality and smoky skies bulletins in their specific community and will suggest protective actions. You can sign up for the mobile service on the government of BC's air quality website. Just ahead, a fight brewing over a popular BC fishing spot. It's like pulling a thread on your wool shirt and then all of a sudden the whole wool shirt falls apart. The valuable resource at the bed of the, of the vetter and why it's causing controversy. Plus, paid to play and how the biggest earners in sports and the old guy at the top of the list. There are growing concerns in Chilliwack over the city's plan to resume the mining of gravel from the Vetter River. The city says it needs to be done in order to deal with flood control. But fishermen and environmentalists say this will destroy critical steelhead and salmon spawning habitats in one of the most popular rivers to fish on the lower mainland. Here's what the bed of the Vetter River looks like to a salmon or steelhead, an ideal place to spawn. Within uh, five meters of where we're standing, there, there was probably half a million salmon eggs deposited from the top of the channel down to the bottom of the channel last fall. Marvin Rosenau is a fish biologist at BCIT and says the vetter's physical features make it one of the most productive and most valuable angling rivers in all of Canada, which is why he's worried about this. This video shows a gravel removal operation on the Vetter River. Gravel mining, as it's known, is done here every couple of years by an intergovernmental committee for flood control. The next operation is scheduled for late this summer. The issue with gravel in the Vetter River is that it's always changing. There's always some coming down from the mountains, and there's always some washing out to the Fraser and beyond. So the important question is, does the current level of gravel here pose a flood risk that depends on who you ask. The gravel removal program's been ongoing since 1983. David Blaine is the director of engineering for the city of Chilliwack and says the periodic gravel removal increases the ability of the dike network to protect the city from a flood. He says removing a small amount every couple of years is better for the ecosystem than taking a lot when there's the threat of a major flood. The uh, engineering work that's been done has indicated that there would be benefit to the uh, flood elevation if we remove gravel this year. But that conclusion is being challenged by a handful of conservationists and many fishermen who crowd the vetter's banks when the salmon are running. They say the gravel buildup has been minimal in recent years, and with salmon stocks collapsing worldwide, we can't afford to lose any more habitat. Gravel extraction, if it's really needed, okay. But if it's not needed, you're going to destroy habitat. In Chilliwack, Paul Johnson, Global News. An unbelievable find deep beneath the vineyard in northern Italy. We'll show you what was unearthed right after Christie's forecast. Wine. I'm looking forward to it. 20 minutes now until I can, <laughs> yeah. until I have my first glass of the weekend. All right, Christy Gordon joins us now for a look at the forecast. Christy. Mm. 
Well, it's a stunning evening to have wine, that's for sure. A lot of people hopefully enjoying their own patios, their own patios. And we saw temperatures away from the water with the Humidex levels close to 30 degrees today. That's what it felt like in the interior as well. And we have one more day of heat for the interior. So we are still concerned about the flood concern uh, or the flooded areas or potential flooded areas. So flood watch in place for three areas. Bonaparte River, Salmon River near Salmon Arm, as well as the entire boundary region. As we talked about, it's because we have the heat, but also we have significant rain on the way. So Environment Canada issuing the special weather statement, strong thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon. So intense, brief downpours of rain is possible. And then after that, more consistent rain. So real cause for concern as we approach the latter part of the weekend. Here's the regions that could see the majority of the rainfall. So from Vancouver west through to the Okanagan Valley and then spreading up into the BC Peace River area. Again, this is late tomorrow into Sunday that we'll see that. So for the rise in the rivers, it will be a little bit of a lag. So Sunday through Thursday this is the time period that we'll be watching. Quick look at some flood safety tips. Don't go near uh, raging rivers because the um, sides of the rivers are unstable and don't try and drive through flooded areas. 30 centimeters of water is all it takes to actually float a vehicle. So there's your Saturday forecast everyone. Uh, we are expecting a risk of thunderstorms late tomorrow. Bulk of the rainfall though tomorrow evening and on Sunday and that's the case for us as well although we do have a chance of showers still tomorrow morning. Finally a bit of a break on Monday and here's your central windows weather window. Today wasn't complete blue sky. We saw a fair amount of high level cloud and with that we tend to get sun halos. Okay Sophie back to you now. All right, lovely picture. Thank you, Christy. An unbelievable find deep beneath a vineyard in northern Italy. Check this out. An ancient mosaic floor so well-preserved, it looks like it could have been created today. But according to the cultural and archaeology heritage of Verona, the mosaic dates back to the 3rd century A.D. and belongs to part of a Roman villa that accommodated servants. The presence of an ancient Roman villa was first reported in 1922. The digging resumed in 2019, almost 100 years later, but it was interrupted in February, February, pardon me, due to the COVID-19 lockdown. Archaeologists went back to work last week when the authorities started easing the lockdown. Technicians are still gently excavating the site to see the full extent of the ancient building. That's some good tile work back then. They knew what they were doing mm -hmm. and well-preserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Squire is here with a look yeah. ahead. What's coming up in sports? Yeah. Well, the uh, Canucks have parted ways with their head amateur scout, a guy who's well-respected around the league, Judd Brackett. The man who advised the Canucks to take the likes of Hughes, Pedersen, and Besser is now looking to advise somebody else. Also ahead, we've waited for this all week long. It's Friday. We'll have satellite debris. Some off-ice drama with the Canucks. Squire Barnes is here now. Yes. It's a pretty big desk you have for yourself over there, isn't it? <laughs> I like my space. I, uh, I, I understand that. One I, day we'll let you back on the desk. Thank you. Bar. I look forward to it. <laughs> Uh, there has been some palace intrigue at Rogers Arena today with the, well, I guess either firing or when your contract's up, you can go of uh, head amateur scout Judd Brackett, someone who was given a lot of credit around the NHL for helping Jim Benning and the Canucks at the draft table, getting such players as Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser. 
But it seems like Brackett's career goals within the Canucks organization were rubbing his bosses the wrong way. At the end of the day, Jim Benning has the final say on Canucks draft picks. It is his team, after all. By all accounts, Judd Brackett did a very good job in his five years as the head of amateur scouting, but he departs perhaps feeling a little underappreciated. Brackett was looking for his decisions to carry more weight going forward. Benning disagreed. He has total autonomy within his role, but he was asking for some things that you know I, I think I want to be involved in and and I wasn't willing to give up. And, you know, I think maybe he's looking for some different opportunities, too. Brackett was handpicked by Benning five years ago. Previous to that, he was the team's part-time scout for seven years in the U.S. He lobbied for the likes of Brock Besser and Adam Gaudette, who are now key pieces on the Canucks roster. And on the strength of that, was hired to run the amateur side. And the success continued. He's credited for getting the Canucks onto Elias Pettersson when many were surprised they took the talented Swede fifth overall in 2017. Perhaps based on that success, Brackett felt he deserved more trust and power. Benning looks at it more as a group decision. The group of amateur scouts we have, they're a team and you know, they have to get along and, and collaborate and you know sometimes we have heated discussions and arguments about players. Some guys feel stronger about guys than other guys and you know that's just part of going through the process of trying to figure out you know, the right players for us to draft. The next draft won't be until after the Stanley Cup is handed out, likely late September. So the Canucks have some time to find a replacement for Brackett. I think we have some real good other scouts in our organization. And, you know, when we look to try to fill the role, maybe we'll look from within again to fill the role. Or, you know, we might even look outside uh, of the organization too. But that's too early to, to decide that now. Forbes has figured out which athlete will make the most money this year. I've never been sure how they figure these things out, but the one with the biggest bank in 2020 is one of the oldest superstars in sports. He's almost 39. He'll be 39 in August. Roger Federer is number one. I think he only made about $6 million of this in prize money. All the rest is in endorsements and whatever else he's getting money for. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Neymar, three soccer players coming at 2-3-4, and then LeBron James, the uh, one North American-based athlete, the most paid North American-based athlete at $88.2 million. Well, before, we were announcing cancellations. Now we're happy to tell you about sports coming back. The NBA is apparently planning to finish off its season with a playoff tournament, and they're hoping to start on July 31st. It's not official. But that's what all the rumors are saying. And when they do come back, it could be a 20 or 22 team tournament. And La Liga, Spain's top soccer league, is looking to finish off its season starting on June 11th, which is the same day the PGA plans to come back as well. German Bundesliga is back, of course. And that is a goal by one of the best young players in Germany, Kai Havertz, poking this one through. He has 35 Bundesliga's goals in his young career. He won't turn 21 for two more weeks. And Leverkusen gets a win today. All right. There you go. Thanks very much, Squire. Don't go away. We need you. Right now, though, let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. First responders in Port Moody are staging their final tribute uh, parade for frontline workers at Eagle Ridge Hospital tonight. We'll have that for you. 
Plus, a flood watch is on for several parts of the southern interior this weekend where water levels are running high and rain is in the forecast. A state of emergency has already been declared in one area. Those stories plus details on a bizarre stabbing incident in the West Kootenai. We'll have that tonight at 11. So. All right, sounds good. Thanks, J.D. Our healthcare hero of the evening is up next along with Satellite Debris. Stay with us. Well, before we get to Squire and Satellite Debris, a big shout out to another one of our BC healthcare heroes. Tonight's nomination comes from Doug and Brenda Lockhart, who are extremely proud of their daughter, Serena Lockhart. Serena is not only a flight nurse in an all-female crew at Life Support Air Medical based on Vancouver Island, extracting injured people from foreign countries around the globe, but she also volunteers to be on the rapid COVID-19 extraction team, bringing sick, potentially COVID-19 infected patients to appropriate hospitals on the island. Serena is also a travel nurse, filling vacancies in remote areas of the province where needed. And when she's not involved in all of those tasks, you might find her working as a triage nurse in the ER of Cowichan District Hospital. Doug and Brenda say Serena gives 150% in everything she does, and they couldn't be more proud of her. Serena, thank you for all of your efforts and undertakings to see our province through this pandemic. If you have a healthcare hero you would like to nominate, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Include a few details about why they're your hero. And of course, don't forget some pictures. And we just might feature them next. All right, Squire, it is Friday. We've yes. waited for this all week, as I said. Okay. Satellite debris time. All right. So I was going to show this a couple of weeks ago because this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I couldn't for one reason or another, but I can do it now. Um, this is someone who calls himself Sandy Sax in France, playing his saxophone, and he's very good at it, when everyone was quarantined. Here we go. that again yes please <laughs> he's good he's very good all right uh, I'm giggling okay from <laughs> Sandy Sachs to a cute little pig in this Vodafone commercial from New Zealand Bobby it's Keith I was driving along Dundas Lane and there was a pig in the middle of the road anyone over there know anything about it no no mate you're in a different valley no one knows a thing no one yeah, you don't know anyone out that way who has pigs. Mark Creek. No, I'm not too sure over there. Lemon pig. Shush, 
No, it's a wee one. Guy just down the road from me that's got a couple of pigs. Yeah, it's not mine. You don't know anything about looking after pigs? Not really. I just know they taste all right. <laughs> Any luck? I didn't know a thing. I got your email about Sue. The pig. <laughs> I could bring her back to you uh, tomorrow or the next day. This afternoon. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll see you then. So stay connected on New Zealand's leading mobile network. See the little cute you. pig? <laughs> Saved. Okay. Uh, last but not least, this one from Nest T, which shows that uh, no matter how brave you think you are, sometimes it's hard to cross the threshold and actually talk to her. Had a crush on that girl for months. What a day. But you're super scared to ask her out just one day. So you crack open that ice coldness tea and you drink it. <sighs> nope, still scared. Let's be real. It's crunchy and it's refreshing and flavory. But Nesty can help you find your bravery. Nesty, keeping it real since forever. <laughs> I can bring back the saxophone guy next week. Okay. I don't know if Christy saw the sax guy, but we'll send her a link. <laughs> You'll like him, Christy. I missed it. He's very talented. <laughs> I bet I would. Have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs>